Welcome to Bible Study. This is Nick Krita, your host. Thank you for tuning in. We are very happy to have you with us today, and please stay with us for this hour as we are going to again open the Bible and uh, learn a few more things about the good news, the wonderful teachings of the Bible. We are into this uh, theme for a number of weeks, uh, three cosmic messages. And today we are going to conclude uh, this with a very interesting um, topic, Ablaze with God's Glory. I would like to welcome our panel for today, and it's good to have back with us, Denise. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure to be back. Ken, welcome back too. Thank you, Nick. Privileged to be here. Brenton, thank you for joining us. Thanks, Nick. Um, we are really looking forward to being able to share this study uh, with some real challenges in it. Lija, it's good to have you part of the program. Yes, thank you. That's a special blessing to engage again in Bible study. Len, thank you for joining us. Well, hello, listeners, and we really hope you've been enjoying these panel discussions. Jedi, it's good to have you too. Thank you, Nick. It's always a pleasure. And Joe, we have a full panel today, but uh, it's good to have you part of this. And I'd like to say from the beginning, thank you so much for uh, working on this uh, Bible study. You are preparing this um, and facilitating this discussion. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Nick. Looking forward to it. Well, uh, let's uh, dig in. And Joe, would you be able to please take us through? Absolutely. For the last few weeks, we've been studying and discussing last day events, and in particular, the three angels' messages of Revelation 14. We have come across terms such as the beast, his image, the dragon, worship, mark of the beast, seal of God, and these can sound quite confusing and alarming to someone hearing them for the very first time, especially if we miss or don't understand the good news in them. God is giving us a glimpse into what lies ahead, what the issues are at stake, and warns that there are consequences to choices. Some are good and some are devastating. Don't be deceived. There is a verse in Proverbs which says, there is a way that seems right to a man or a woman but leads to death. God wants everyone to be fully informed and make the right decision, a decision which leads to eternal life, not eternal oblivion. We have looked in detail at Satan's agenda and game plan revealed in Revelation 13. And in Revelation 14, we have God's call to true worship and warning not to be deceived, seduced, bribed or coerced into false worship and the acceptance of the mark of the beast. Today, we will look at another angel's message, one found in Revelation 18. This week is the last of these discussions on this theme and ends with a focus on the hero Revelation. But before we begin, let us ask God for his blessing. Ken, could you lead us in prayer? Heavenly Joe, Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us together again to put forward your word in truth and in love. Lord, we know we're in the last days of this earth, and as your spirit is slowly being removed because men do not want anything to do with you, Satan is causing more and more trouble to ensure that as many people as possible are deceived by his lies and by doing so will miss out on everlasting life. Yes. Lord, we know you still have people searching for you and looking for the truth of the Bible. We pray that you can reach those souls that you may 
light, that your light may shine upon them and bring the truth of the Bible so that they may have understanding and knowledge to be saved. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If we open up our Bible to the book of Revelation, Lydia, would you be able to read just the opening texts and please read and explore? Okay, let's read uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it, it means obey it, and take to heart or keep the word or apply it, what is written in it, because the time is near. So in these passages, we can see that Apostle John wrote the words in here. He received a vision by God as he was exiled on the island of Patmos on the Aegean Sea in Greece by the Roman Emperor Dominician because of his faith and witness uh, and testimony of God. This happened in uh, the year 95 AD. We know that the, the, the island of Patmos was a very isolated place, residing as a prison for condemned criminals to death who worked in a mine. John received this vision, and it says here that the purpose of the book to show his servants what must take place. So God did care about his people. He wanted to let them know what is going to come, what is going to happen. And mm. I was very impressed to the fact that it says that those who read the words of this prophecy are blessed. And if they will take to heart, obey and keep it very important. Mm. Yes, it is. Lynn, you had a comment. Oh, I'm actually was going to say what Ledger's already said, but I'll say it anyhow. You know, there are so many people, many people who claim to be Christians who don't read the book of Revelation, don't want to know about it because they say it's too confusing. But as Ledger pointed out, the text says, blessed is the one who reads and blessed is the one who hears. And as a panel, this last number of weeks, we've been dealing with this topic about the uh, conflict between Christ and Satan. Listeners, I believe you've been blessed to understand some of this prophecy that we've been sharing with you. Sometimes we can get bogged down in discussions in Revelation, in the mark of the beast and um, all, all of the other side, and we forget that this the Revelation is actually the revealing of Jesus Christ. It is all about the Lamb and the fact that this Lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. And that's, I think, something that we all need to keep in focus in all our discussions. Well, from our previous discussions, it's been shown that sooner or later, we all will have to make a decision. Will we worship God, the creator of the world and mankind, the one who paid an enormous price for our ransom, or the destroyer of this world? Will we honour God or dishonour him? Which camp 
will we choose life or death? The choice seems very easy, of course, but so many waver and count the cost, thinking that what is required is far too dear. Preparing for the final crisis, is there something that we can do? Ken, can one prepare for what's ahead? Certainly. I'm going to read from uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 1 to 6. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, while people are saying, peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly, as labour pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you, brothers and sisters are not in darkness, so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and the children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. But what does it mean to be awake and sober in the life of a Christian? Paul says to not sleep as others in First Thessalonians 5, 6. To be awake and sober does not mean a physical state, but rather a mental state. In other words, be alert, do not get caught up in the things of this world that may take your mind off the words that have been given to us in God's word. As we hear with Paul and in Matthew 24 verse 42, watch and be alert. Note what is going on in this world. Observe the signs that are everywhere that are warning Bible-following Christians that Jesus is at the very door. He is coming soon. Do not grow complacent or become weary waiting. Do not let the return of Jesus take you by surprise, as it will the rest of this world who are asleep to the things of God. Rather, stay focused on Jesus and God's word as we await the soon return of Jesus. Thank you. Nick, you had a a comment, I believe. Yes, I mean, we... uh said few things about the book of Revelation and um, uh, how people can look at the book of Revelation. Ken said something very interesting, uh, reading from the writings of uh, Apostle Paul, which encourages us to watch and be alert for all things. In uh, my understanding, the book of Revelation, which uh, spells out, you know, (laughs) through the name, particularly in English, because in my language it's Apocalypsa, which could be a bit different, but uh, um, speaks about the revelation of uh, our Lord Jesus Christ. What I believe personally is this, my dear friend listening today, is that the book of Revelation can be a catalyst to be interested in the teachings of the whole Bible. Even though it may seem like, it may look like, uh, you know, uh, a bit difficult because it's uh, lots of symbolism there and uh, lots of uh, different uh, way of... Uh, uh, describing things. I believe it's a wonderful book to look into and then search into the whole Bible to find answers to those things because uh, everything what we talked about in the book of Revelation founds great support in the rest of the Bible. Yes, it's a complete package, isn't it? Mm. Well, we, we've seen that, uh, you know, we're admonished not to be asleep, that we are to be awake and sober. But, Denise, what does Jesus say about his own return in Matthew and Luke? In uh, Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 to 44, Jesus says this, 
Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. And in Luke chapter 12 and verse 40, it says, You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. So from these verses, Christ's return is a certainty. Uh, We do not know the time, uh, but we are admonished to keep watch because we need a daily dependence on Jesus. And then after, in Matthew 24, the very next verse, 25, is the parable of the ten virgins, uh, which explains this idea further, those who are ready and those who are not, and the consequences of that. Yes. I'd like to read a text from Isaiah 46, verses 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. There is someone who knows. We know that, you know, we are to watch and to be alert and awake and sober because we do not know. But the Bible is filled with knowledge that God is God's knowledge and God shares this knowledge with us. He says that I am God and there is none like else. And he declares the end from the beginning. Brenton, how does scripture demonstrate that God knows the end from the beginning? Can we rest assured that what God says will happen will happen? And I'm thinking in particular what is said in Revelation, the book of Revelation. Can we rely on this? In Daniel 2, um, the, the two books go together, Joe. They should be read together. And um, if they are, I believe you have a, a really different Christian experience. Daniel chapter 2, summarized succinctly, say, talks about how Daniel, who was taken captive by a heathen king, Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And he believed the dream was significant, but he couldn't do two things. Number one, he couldn't remember the dream. And when he called his wise men in to interpret the dream for him, they said, will you tell us the dream and we'll give you the interpretation? He said, I can't remember the dream. Um, I want you to tell me the dream and I want you to tell me the interpretation of it. Now, in the whole of chapter two, there are two important verses. One of them relates to the fact that Daniel came in before the king and said, give us time, because the king was so mad that they couldn't interpret it, that he was going to execute them all. So Daniel went home and prayed with his friends that God would give him the dream that God had given to Nebuchadnezzar, but also give him the interpretation. When he came before him again, he said this. He said, but there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. And he has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in the latter days, your dream and the visions of your head upon your bed were these. He then goes on to explain uh, a uh, probably one of the greatest prophecies in the Bible, Joe, the, the image and the various metals which constitute various kingdoms right down till the end of time. But right at the end of that chapter, he says this, to Nebuchadnezzar, he says, the dream is certain 
and the interpretation is sure. So after he had interpreted not only the dream but given him the interpretation of it, um, Nebuchadnezzar, it says, um, said, truly your God is a God of gods and the Lord of kings because you have been able to reveal this secret. So Nebuchadnezzar, a heathen king, believed what Daniel had told him because he obviously remembered the dream once Daniel uh, gave it to him and the interpretation he believed as well. We know that he believed it because in chapter 3 he made an image very similar to the image that he had yes. revealed to him in chapter 2, which was yes. all of gold. <laughs> so <laughs> I think based on that, Joe, we can say that even a heathen king, when he's given an interpretation by a prophet of the God of heaven, believes that there is a God who can reveal everything, who knows the end from the beginning. Yes, and I guess history attests to its accuracy and the foreknowledge of God. And Absolutely. Um, this is not Nostradamus, whose prophecies were so vague that any number of events would fit. Uh, we can be certain that God is omniscient. So what he says in Daniel, you know, the fact that it covers so many, so many years, thousands of years, and, and history, we have history to prove it. Um, there's no other holy book that has within itself such evidence of authenticity and proof that God is who he says he is. And so, hence, we can believe everything that the book of Revelation says, that, in, in fact, the whole Bible, because here we have evidence that this is no uh, wise man of the East. This is God, and there is none else, none like him. Now, the psalmist exclaims, the entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. Psalms 119, 160. Now, many may ask, well, what is truth? At Jesus' trial, Pontius Pilate also asked, what is truth? Nick, what is truth and how do we know what is truth? What does Jesus say about truth? That's a very important uh, question to ask uh, Joe, and I believe many people are asking that. What is truth? And uh, thank God for uh, the Word of God, for the Bible, which reveals to us that. If I look into John chapter 14, uh, verse 6, which says, uh, Jesus speaks about himself, says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man come unto the Father, but by me. Today we are talking a little bit more about God's glory. I mean, we are ablazed with his glory. And looking into the book of Revelation, as we'll uh, continue today to, to dig a little bit more into it, and already was mentioned that many people are um, turning away from this wonderful book, the book of Revelation, just because uh, of the language, content, symbolism, and so on and so forth. I'd like to share with you very briefly an experience I have just a couple of days ago. I was visiting a good friend of mine, and uh, as we were sitting together, usually we turn into the discussion of, of spiritual discussion about the Bible and all those things. Now, he's from a different denomination, and um, we came across to the book of Revelation. And you know what he said? I never read that book, and I'm not going to read that book. I was a bit, uh, you know, puzzled when he said that, and I said, why, why you say that? Or, 
Oh, that's a book which uh, I don't need to know because I am, he said these words, I am walking in the spirit. And the Holy Spirit is revealing to me what to do. And um, and I was thinking, all right, if that's the case, the Spirit is revealing what to do. I believe you need to have a foundation because the Spirit says that he will remind us what to say in certain situations, not to be worried about that. But the Spirit cannot remind us if we don't know the things. And we we started to have this discussion about the wonderful things about the book of Revelation. Let me uh, turn now uh, again back to the Gospel of John. And this time, the Gospel of John chapter 17, reading a few passages, a uh, few verses there, Jesus is pleading with the Father on our behalf. And he says there, my prayer, Father, is not that you take them out of this world, but to keep them safe or protected from the evil one. And in verse 17, this is where I want to really uh, focus. It says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Joe and Penelan and my friend listening today, if we are interested in knowing the truth, we need to know the word of God. And that's what we are trying to do through these programs, to dig into the word of God, to learn from his word, to be equipped, to be ready in any circumstances. For that reason, I would like to get your attention now, my dear friend, to a good book, an offer which we have uh, for today. I would like you to take notice of this and send us a text message with the code which we are going to give you in a moment. The book, it's the Sabbath gift. We offered this book before, but this is pretty much the last uh, opportunity during this program to come to us and send us a text message with the code Sabbath. S-A-B-B-A-T-H. Send this code to the new number which we have allocated for our program. This will be our permanent number now, and that's 0482098883. I may come with this number a few times during the program because uh, it's a new number. Again, I will repeat this number, 0482098883. Please send us a text message with the code Sabbath and the book, The Sabbath Gift, it's yours. Thank you for that, Nick. Now, the Bible says that the truth will set you free. What does that mean? And what is the freedom that is to be found through Christ? Lynn, is it a license to do what you feel like doing? Well, before I answer the question, I'd like to define a little more what truth is. You see, there's more than one kind of truth. There's relative truth, dependent on time, circumstances, changes and choices. What's true today might not be true tomorrow. And then you've got the truth that we're really talking about in scriptures. It's fixed. It's unchanging. It's eternal truth. Let's give you a little illustration of relative truth. My golf partner and I were talking about this this morning, and uh, 
These days, with the new laws regarding the LGBTQI community, I could say that I am a woman and people must accept it. If they speak against it, it's called hate speech. Uh, I might do that now, but five minutes later I might say, well, I'm not a woman, I'm something else. And according to the laws of the land, the relative truth um, he or anybody has to accept that. It's what I say I am which people have to accept. So this is, in my opinion, an example of relative truth. Now come back to your question, and it's a really good question. Jesus made two statements about truth. This is permanent truth. He says, you shall know the truth. The truth shall make you free. I'm going to deal with this in a moment. And then the other one is, if the Son therefore makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So if a person accepts Christ in their life, can they do anything they like? This is basically what you're asking, Joe. The answer is no way. It's not that kind of freedom. It's a different kind of freedom. You see, truth is liberating. When you know the truth, you can stop doubting about something. Even in a, say, a family situation, perhaps one of the children is hiding something and you're wondering what it is. When they tell you, then that you're liberated. Truth in God's word, the Bible provides all the answers to the big questions of life. These are the big questions. Where did I come from? What am I doing here? Where am I going? God answers these questions in the Bible. Where did I come from? God made us. What am I doing here? God has a plan for us. What of the future? God will glorify us if we're faithful. So the other aspect of this question is, in what sense is anyone free when knowing the truth? And I'm talking about the truth as revealed in the Holy Scriptures. Well, first of all, when you realize that you can be saved through the blood of Christ, you can become free from the prison of sin. That's real freedom. You also become free from condemnation. You become free from being eternally destroyed. Annihilated was the term Brenton used before. You also become free to live up to your potential. You become free to live according to God's will, not the will of the devil. And you become free from the clutches of Satan. My friends and panel, I don't want it any other way. It is beautiful. It is, it's liberating. It's wonderful to know that we are saved through the blood of Christ, to know what the future is, as we've been discussing this quarter, to know what's going on in the world. Thank God that we can know the truth. If I can add a, a little bit on that one, because um, in my own experience, when I was not involved or searching the word of God to learn about him and the truth, I was surrounded more about this relative truth, which today was, but tomorrow was not. 
and um, some other things. I think the big question in our discussion today about the truth is when we experience, when we can trust in that source, in this case, to trust in the Word of God, in the Bible. But to be able to trust, we need to know it. We cannot trust in the Word of God just um, on a casual way. That's one important thing, I believe, and many people are missing out on the beautiful things of the Word of God and the benefits, because we still live this life in a relative truth. That's why the Bible is was pointed out so much uh, now. If we know God, we know that God is eternal and he never changes, which means the truth remains. Yes, it does. And another th- a couple of things that uh, it gives us freedom from, it gives us freedom from fear, freedom from guilt, freedom from ignorance, to some degree, a, a freedom from pressure to conform to our cultures or whatever that it might be that are n- not not good things. Freedom from the demons of the past, and I'm meeting that metaphorically, past mistakes and find forgiveness and hope. So it, it sure, surely is um, a true freedom. Now, I've got a question here that, uh, Jerry, you might like to answer. Does it matter what you believe? As long as it is truth to you and if you believe it sincerely to be the truth. Now, especially in the context of the three angels' messages, in the time when deception and lying signs and miracles appear convincing, and we know that Satan deceives the whole world, it tells us in Revelation 12a, what importance would you place on truth and is any price too high? Oh, what a question. I'm reminded of when Jesus uh, was brought before Pilate and uh, Jesus said to him, I have come into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who hears, who is of the truth hears my word, my voice. And Pilate says to him, what is truth? What is truth? Considering um, John 8, verse 32, I think we've mentioned it already, where, where Jesus said, And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Notice how Jesus uses the word the, the definite article. And if something is declared to be true, it means that whatever is not in harmony with this truth can't also be true. Does that make sense? It must be untrue or false or a lie. And Jesus of himself says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father than through me. Or you could say no one is saved and goes to heaven other than through me. So this excludes any and all other so-called alternative ways to be saved. You know, I find it interesting in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11, it says of man that God has put eternity in their hearts. So in, in all world religions, there is a belief, a longing for an afterlife, an eternity. But this life is not the only thing that we have. It's not the only experience that we have. It's not the end. But look at, at the many and various belief systems that claim to offer a different pathway to eternal life. You know, you end up with a Babylonian confusion, whereas the word of God is a trustworthy and dependable reality. In fact, um, one definition I came across for truth is that it is the property of being in accord with fact or reality, incapable of being false. And if we cast away the truth of God's word, 
which is the same yesterday and today and forever, as the Bible says, we make up our own truth as we go along. And that can only ever result in chaos and eternal loss, ultimately. So we can be sure that God's word is truth and that his word is exclusively truth. And in the context of the three angels' messages, God cuts through this Babylonian confusion and says, here is truth. This is the wisdom of the ages, the truth of the ages that is handed down to us. Embrace God's truth. This is such an important question to consider because today we are bombarded with news and events from all over the world, some of which are true, but much of them are false or have truths. Deception has never been so rampant across all fronts as it is today. People are losing money, possessions, even their lives due to deception. And sad to say, you can also lose your salvation because you do not know the real truth of the Bible. So many people today are trusting men's ideas rather than trusting God and reading his word, which is why God put it there in the first place. A simple message of salvation. Keep the commandments of God and live. Thank you. Brenton, there's a phrase there, there's a sentence there that says, Jesus says to Pilate, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Now in John 10 verses 27 to 28, there's also that phrase again, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them and they follow me. Would you be able to compare those two texts and can can you see how there's an allusion to something in Revelation, the idea of following the Lamb wherever he goes? Yes, there there is um, an allusion there. I'll start with John 18 because really what the question was or what he was posing to Jesus was, so are you a king then? And Christ's answer was, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world, and we touched on the issue of the truth. What's important about this, I believe, Joe, is that Jesus is actually, I believe Pilate's under conviction here. Jesus is actually saying to him, because remember he said, do you believe that I am a king, or do you believe it because other people told you that I was a king? In other words, he's he's really bringing home to Pilate, do you really believe yourself? that I am a king, remember that what has happened in this experience of Pilate's is that he's had a letter from his wife during the time that he's um, examining Christ. And she says to him, have nothing to do with this just man, because I have suffered many things in a dream because of him this night. In other words, he recognizes that he's dealing with a person possibly who was more than human. Um, the term what is truth, he never actually waits for an answer because after that he goes back to the crowd and the mob outside. So his moment of accepting the truth is gone. What Jesus is trying to say to Pilate, I believe, is this. I came down from heaven to to bear witness to the truth. The truth is God. The truth is what God has said, what God has done, and I am that witness. If you accept me, you accept the witness uh, that uh, God sends. But in John 10... He broadens it, and I believe this is where we're going to come into it a little bit later in the study, Joe, when we get into the book of Revelation, where he says, my sheep listen to my voice. Then he says, other sheep I have who are not of this fold. 
them also on us bring. Now, we're going to get on to that when we get into Revelation 18 in a minute. So I think I was... I was just fo- focusing for now <laughs> on my sheep listen or they hear my voice. They know mm. my voice. Yes. I know them. They follow me. And then a text that kind of fits in with that is in Revelation 3.20. says, I behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any Anyone man hear my voice and open yeah. the door, I will come into him and will sup with him. And today if you hear his voice, don't harden yeah, your heart. That's right. So there is that line of thinking. Now, moving on, in Revelation 18.1 is another angel's message. It's a call yeah. made to God's people who are his sheep and are listening to his voice. Lydia, can you describe this angel? And Well, just read and comment on Revelation 18.1 and the first part of verse 2, please. Yes, as we read in Revelation chapter 18, verse 1, it says, After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. Now, this angel who comes down from the glorious presence of God in the throne room of the sanctuary is commissioned to proclaim God's last message of mercy and to warn the inhabitants of the earth of what is coming upon planet earth. The text Mm. actually says that the angel comes with great authority. The New Testament uh, Greek word for authority is exousia. The dictionary says that The authority is the power of right to give orders, make decisions and enforce obedience or make sure that the law is obeyed. Jesus uses this word authority in the gospel of Matthew in harmony with the sending out of his disciples. In Matthew 10 verse 1, Jesus gives his disciples authority over the principalities and powers of evil. He sends them out with the divine power to be victorious in the battle between good and evil. In Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19, he once again sends them out, but this time with all authority in heaven and on earth to go and make disciples of all the nations. The last part of Our verse, it says, the earth was illuminated with God's glory, which is extremely significant. Throughout Revelation, there are three words that are linked together. God's glory, God's honor, and God's power. In Revelation 4.11 states, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. And in Revelation 5.12, where John once again says that Jesus is worthy to receive, among other things, glory, honor, and power. So we discover this thought again in Revelation 19, verse 1, where it says, Salvation and glory and honor and power belongs to the Lord our God. And notice how Revelation referring to the habitation of the new Jerusalem by the saints closes in Revelation 21 verse 26 saying, 
and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Very important. Thank you, Ligia. Nick, what does this angel say? How is it different to the other three angels' messages? Is there something unique about it? Yes, Joe, uh, as you pointed out, uh, in comparison with uh, uh, the message from Revelation 14, the three angels' message, which brings to our, our attention the proclamation of the everlasting gospel uh, to everyone on this uh, planet, the earth and inviting us to uh, worship God. And then in the second um, angel, you know, it talks about uh, Babylon, the great, which says it's fallen, it's fallen. And um, we are also warned not to take part of the teachings of um, of Babylon. But if I look in Revelation 18, verses 2 to 4, again, he says that Babylon, Babylon, it's fallen. And uh, he becomes uh, habitants of the of the devil of every every spirit. And interesting in in here, probably the word which I will focus on is "come out of Babylon, my people." I believe this is different. It's unique. It's the invitation, direct invitation: "Come out, my people, that you may not be part." Not be partakers of her sins and that he receive not the plagues. I think that's very important to understand that God is inviting everyone to really take a position, to take an attitude, not to be influenced or take part in the mm. teachings of yeah. God. Yeah, very good. Brenton, God calls his people out of Babylon his people out of Babylon. How is that even possible? How is it possible that he's got people in Babylon? You know, because it's just said that mm. that it's, you know, habitation yeah. of devils. <laughs> mm. Joe, Babylon became Babylon over a period of time. It didn't suddenly all start out with uh, constant um, deception and all the rest of it. I believe there is an answer. Some people, believe it or not, have actually found Christ in Babylon. Now, all Christian denominations, Joe, believe that we are saved by grace through faith. So if you accept Christ, regardless of where you attend or who you go to, you will accept him as your personal saviour. However, you may not be aware at that particular point in your spiritual journey that um, God is your creator and that the sign of his creatorship is the keeping of his Sabbath as a sacred day. You may not be aware of that. You may not be aware, as you have accepted Jesus as your saviour, of the subject, the most important subject of what happens to us when we die. We don't go to heaven. We sleep until Jesus comes. You may be unaware when you accepted Christ as your saviour of the fact that um Christ is coming again in the clouds of heaven. There is not going to be some sort of secret rapture where um, the saints are spirited away suddenly and silently. All of these issues tell me that it is possible to have accepted Christ in Babylon. However, when this loud cry that Lydia so uh, well put together in her uh, statement comes to people, What's important here is this is ne this is the equivalent in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 50 verse 8. 
it tells God's people to come out of Babylon. This is now in Revelation 18, a worldwide call to come out of Babylon. In other words, to come out of false religious doctrine, Joe, false religious teachings to the truths of the Bible. What's significant about this is that this is in contradistinction, if I could use that term, to the way the world is operating at the moment. We're being told more and more that this is a global village. We need to all come together. We need to come together on such things as we can agree on. Um, what Jesus is saying through this angel, and it is the very, very last call that God gives to this world. He says, I want you to come out of that system. I want you to stand apart from it. Just the same as Israel came out of Egypt, I want you to come out of spiritual Egypt, spiritual Babylon, and stand firm. So I would make an appeal right now to our listeners. If you are thinking about these things, if you are thinking about keeping the Sabbath, if you have questions uh, the book that Nick has uh, recommended to you is a book that you really should purchase. But please study the word of God for yourself. And as you are convicted on these things, say, Lord, I don't want to be in Babylon. I want to come out and I want to stand with God's people. I believe, Joe, that that's what this call is all about. Thank you. Yes, my dear friend, even better than what Brenton was saying, the book which we have for you today, it's a, our free offer. And that is the Sabbath gift. Why not to send us a text message with the code Sabbath? The number which we have is 0482098383. Please send us a text message with the code Sabbath. Lynn, there are other examples in the Bible where God's people have been called to come out of spiritually destructive situations or lifestyles. Can you give us one such example? Yes, well, the call of Revelation is to come out of her, my people. Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees from paganism to righteousness. Lot was living in the area of Sodom. He was called to come out of an influence of moral degradation to honour God. Lazarus was called from death to life. I believe that what Revelation is calling is you to go from death to life. Beautiful. Denise, Moses asked God to show him his glory, and we know that the angel in Revelation 18 is described as having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. Can you tell us more about what was Moses shown? Yes, Joe. Moses was shown um, God's back, and the Lord said in Exodus 19, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. I'll pro proclaim my Lord in your presence. I have, will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I'll have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. So he put Moses in the cleft of a rock to protect him. And he passed in front of Moses and he said that he was the Lord, the Lord compassionate and gracious, slow to anger abounding in love and faithfulness. So this showing Moses his glory was to encourage him and to also protect him and to to show that he promised to go with him and to guide him as the leader of the children of Israel. Thank you. Ken, given that God's goodness and faithfulness is his crowning glory, how might this impact the message given by the angel in Revelation 18? Is this what lights up the world? 
How has God shown his goodness to mankind? I think the easiest way and the quickest way, Joe, to sum this up is that God gave his son Jesus to be the saviour for everyone in this world who accepts him. He could not have given anything greater than his own son to save all of mankind. Yeah. The image of the slain lamb runs through scripture from beginning to end, and the book of Revelation is no exception. The Bible is the story of the battle or conflict between good and evil, God and Satan. Satan has told many lies and is the father of lies, told lies about God, and God, who cannot lie, declares his love for humanity. He also demonstrated his love by plunging into this world to live among us and show the Father's glory to those in darkness, and that's all of us. The enemy, that Satan, has done nothing to help humanity. He is the darkness, and all pain and suffering emanate from him. He had Jesus crucified in an excruciating death in the hope that he would crush goodness in Jesus once and for all. Well, we know how that ended. Images in Revelation speak to this. Now, Jerry, there are some passages in Revelation that highlight and describe who is worthy and why. Yeah, I think particularly of uh, Revelation chapter 5, where John in vision sees a lamb standing in front of the throne. The lamb was covered in blood as though it was had been sacrificed, and yet it was alive. And the Lamb takes the scroll out of the right hand of the one who sits on the throne, which would be God the Father. And then notice what it, what happens there, that the four living beings and the 24 elders that are, are surrounding the throne, they fall on their knees and they sing a, a new song to the Lamb. And essentially what they're saying is, you are worthy, you are worthy to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. So here we see a picture of uh, of adoration for the, the Lamb of God who was slain, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who was the Creator and the Savior and the Redeemer. If you drop down to verse 11, there's the next group of, of uh, beings, and we're talking about millions of angels, and they too, now it's their turn to sing. They say, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And finally, if you drop down to verse 13, uh, he, he hears the voices from every part of creation in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea, joining in the final great shout of, of praise. And they sing to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power. You know, it reminds me of a, of a hymn that we sing, 560, Let all things now living, and it finishes with these, these words, let all things now living unite in thanksgiving to God in the highest, Hosanna and praise. So all of God's creation just bursts into, into song and praise for the Lamb, the creator, the, the, the author of life, who gave himself as a sacrifice so that we, through faith in him, might be redeemed and receive his life. It's a beautiful concept to meditate on. We've been talking today about the reliability of the prophecies and God does not lie. I want to give you a very positive note now as we finish off from Revelation chapter 21 verses 3 to 4, uh, 3 and 4. 
John says, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them. They'll be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. This follows the promise that God has made that this world as we know it will be destroyed and he will make everything new. Panel members, listeners, we want you to be there to enjoy the wonderful things that God has promised those who are faithful to him. Amid the imagery of dangerous beasts, of a dragon making war, plagues, persecution and the mark of the beast, there remains front and centre the lamb, the lamb slain, and he alone and what he has done for us is doing now and will do before it's all over. He is ultimately what the three angels' messages are about. It is a call to step away from the delusions, self-worship and lies to follow the lamb and the truth. It is of eternal importance. Satan has been trying to entice people to join his kingdom and reap the fleeting benefits of wealth, power and indulgence of sin since Adam and Eve. The battle between good and evil is fought on many levels, but ultimately he will be exposed as the liar that he is. Let us heed the last day messages to us and not be drawn away from God under any circumstance. Our only safety lies in following closely after Christ, walking in his wisdom, practicing his truth. Scripture is our only safeguard. If it isn't according to Scripture, it's a lie. We cannot always readily detect the working of Satan. We do not know where he lays his traps, but Jesus understands the subtle arts of the enemy, and he can keep our feet in safe paths. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Christ declares. And it also says, and behold, I come quickly, and my mm. reward is with me. And, of course, right at the end of Revelation, it says, surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The Amen. grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Amen. Brenton, would you yes. please close with a prayer? Sure, Thank sure. you. Father in heaven, as we have studied these subjects over the the number of weeks that we've looked at the book of Revelation, particularly Revelation 13 and 14. We finish today on a triumphant note. We finish with all of the universe, including us who were saved, praising the Lamb for his um, love, for his mercy, for his creative power, for his redemptive power. We thank you that um, John said, even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Our prayer today, Lord, as we have studied this subject, is for ourselves as a panel and for those who are listening. May each of us have the privilege of standing on the sea of glass one day soon and singing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive honour and glory and riches and blessing. Lord, may that be our experience. Keep us faithful. Lead us through the maze of Satan's deceptions between now and when we see you face to face. For our listeners, we pray, Lord, that they will hear the shepherd's voice as they study the word of God and as the Holy Spirit convicts them. May they realize that it is Jesus leading them and that he is waiting for them at the end of the journey. Thank you for hearing us today. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. 
May we be faithful to you through everything that is going on now and what is going to happen in the future. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Brenton. Well, thank you, everyone, for your participation today. Indeed, what a journey through the book of uh, Revelation. And my dear friend, uh, if you have some uh, thoughts, comments in regard to these studies, you know that you can send us a text message anytime. Send us a text message to 0482098383. Also on this number, I'm inviting you, this is your last uh, opportunity, to receive uh, our free offer, the Sabbath gift. Send us a text message with the code Sabbath, which is S-A-B-B-A-T-H, to the same number, 0482098883. Now we are moving into a different uh, Bible study from uh, next week. And um, that's an interesting study, I believe, looking into the um, book Ephesians. I believe Ephesians could be considered the gospel in a nutshell. We are inviting you to join us again. Until then, may God richly bless you and be with you in your walk with Jesus.